Well, good morning. Great to see everybody. Great to be back. Uh, we were in Florida for a while, and it was way sunny, and we came to Indiana, and it's still no sun here. But it's great to be back with you guys. Great to be uh, here with you this morning. Great to be able to gather with you guys that are watching us online. Um, if you don't know this, we have an online church that we have. And again, uh, kind of to fill you in, if you haven't been here uh, for a while, our online church wasn't created because of COVID. Our online church was created before COVID for the opportunity to reach a group of people that we felt like still weren't being reached. And it gives us a chance to expand our influence into places that we couldn't normally go. So our online church is not just a streaming of uh, our message into somebody else's house. We have campus pastors for this online church um, and people that uh, interact with them, meet with them. Uh, so we do have that going on, but we're great, uh, grateful that you guys are joining with us online and for you guys that are here with us today. Quick thing, today is our business meeting. So I don't know if you grew up in church, but I know when uh, I heard that thing, terminology when I grew up in church would be like the one Sunday you want to skip, right? It's where they bring everybody up and you vote on things and, you know, new people and new positions and you're sitting out there like, I didn't really need to know this. You could have just given me a memo at the end, you know, of what all happened. Um, but that's not here. <laughs> Our business meeting here uh, is to cast vision for 2021, Right? Where are we going? What are we doing? What's important to us? Um, and it also gives you an opportunity uh, to meet uh, the elders here at Life Church. Um, so if you've never had an opportunity to meet the elders here at Life, um, it'll be an opportunity in between services for you to do that. If you just started to come to Life Church, you might not have got one of these in the mail, but we send these to everybody that's been attending that we have contact information for. It's our annual report. We take a lot of pride in our annual report. We put a lot of work into it for numerous different reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is transparency, right? We think that it's really important as a church to be transparent to who we are, what we're doing, where we're going, and maybe even most of all on top of that is, is that people who have generously given to Life Church, we want you to know that you know, we take that responsibility seriously, and so we want you to be able to see where the money goes. We want you to understand where the money goes. We want you to be able to ask questions about where the money goes. And so if you haven't got one of these, uh, you can grab one. They're right outside the Connect Center, but it has a budget in it. Um, and the other thing that it has in it, so our, how we spent our money last year, our budget for 2021, um, and then the other part it has in it is from each one of our ministries, they've given a report or what's going on on the inside of it so you could see who's over what um, and what's going on. And that if you want to ask questions about anything that's happening at Life Church in between the service, the elders will be in conference room C. You can stop in. Um, look, talk to them, ask them questions, whatever you want, and they'll be able to answer everything that they can. If they can't, they'll just uh, refer you on to somebody who can get you the answer. So that's the business meeting part of that, that you need to know about and what we're going on, what uh, is happening today. The other thing is giving slides. We want to make sure that you guys all understand what's happening financially, too, from a month-to-month -month basis. So here is how we ended the year last year. So our monthly budget last year, December giving to the general fund, over budget, over for the year, and we said, uh, if you haven't came here for a while, when we moved down into here to Champs, 
Um, if you certain, sit in certain areas out here when it's raining, you might have to move your seat. Like, we'll take that seat out because it drips on you um, because the roof leaks. I mean, that's just the way it is. And it's leaked for quite a long time, and we've been bringing people up to patch it. Um, or for the same thing is, like, if you're here and you're like, wow, the temperature's kind of weird in this building. Well, part of the reason is there's 12 rooftop units, and there might be six of them that work. Um, we've kind of robbed parts off of it, and we've done the best we can. You know, we've just been making it work as we've seen fit. So going into 2021, uh, our goal is to be able to replace the roof and to be able to replace the rooftop units. It does cost a lot of money. So we ask at the end of the year, people who would be willing to partner with us to give to the building fund uh, to be able to do that. And so very thankful, as you saw in there, we had $33,000 given towards the building fund to be able to do that. And I can't over uh, um, emphasize how grateful we are in the midst of a pandemic, when all of the worries that are going on inside of the world of what's happening, that we ended the year for maybe one out of the past 17 years that we've been in existence over budget. I mean, how's that possible? Other than <laughs> generosity, God is good, and we want to continue going down the same road. Listen, we want to be faithful. That's it. I don't know, like I'm going to give you some vision for 2021. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to overemphasize. Whatever the Holy Spirit tells us to do, we're doing, regardless of the cost, regardless of what happens. I mean, we're going the way he wants us to go. We're going to give you a shell of what that looks like today. But at the end of the day, we want to be a church that's always following the flow of the Holy Spirit and not the flow of culture. Right? We're not going to get stuck in that. We're not going to follow what culture demands. We want to follow what the Holy Spirit says to us. So I told some people on the way in, Listen, when I haven't preached for a couple weeks and I've been thinking about the message for a couple weeks, I said, you better turn the timer off because I got a lot to say. Because <laughs> there is a little timer down here that's like, don't go over time. And it starts flashing red, you know, because I have a tendency to keep on talking, you know, uh, when we're doing this. But I always, for the end of my year, sit back and look at life, right? I think it's important for all of us to do that. You look at 2020. What do you see about your life and what are the things you need to change? And although there were some serious personal things, you know, like one of them was when I was in Florida, I had my shirt off a lot and I realized, wow, I got a lot of work to do, you know? So there were some personal things I got to figure out, you know, from being healthier and going down some of those roads. But there's also, because a lot of people will say, like, what are your New Year's resolutions? And a lot of them revolve around, I'm going to be better with my money, better with my health, better with my family, better with my kids. You know what I mean? I want to be more, you know, in, in the groove when it comes to this stuff. But here's what I want us to think about. What is your New Year's faith resolution? Right? What is going to change for you in 2020, from 2020 to 2021 when it comes to faith? Right? Like, we'll put goals together to lose weight. We'll put goals together to spend more time with our kids. But I want to talk to you about what would it look like if we thought specifically how we position ourselves to see God work through us in an amazing, faithful way and that the faithfulness of God is shown. So for me, I thought back, what is it, the overwhelming thing that tended to uh, occupy my thoughts for 2020? And there was a lot. But one of the things that came up all the time was this word or this phrase that I kept hearing over and over again, stay safe right? Keep everybody safe, right? Make decisions around safety, you know, make decisions around 
those concepts. And for me, it triggered something in my past that I don't know if it's just back there and I hadn't thought about it for a while, but it just started this flood of emotion inside of me. Because when it comes to faith, because here's what I think's happened, right? I think this whole idea of being safe, you know, whether it's with the pandemic or whether it's being in life or whether it's in your finances, whether whatever all those things are, I think it's bled over into faith. I think we've become a church culture who is more concerned with safety than we are with faith, more concerned with comfort than we are with sacrifice. And I think it's bled over into our life. And so what are the things that we need to think about? So I thought back to my life in general. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a a glimpse into my journey. Um, So I wasn't a Christian in high school. I told you guys a story before. I went to church because I wanted to marry Sherry, and she said I needed to go to church. So that sounded like a great idea, you know. So I went to church because she wanted me to go to church but didn't really have a personal relationship. In fact, when I looked at the people of the church, I thought out of all the people that I know, they might be the worst people I know. And part of it was because I felt like they said one thing on Sunday and did something else on Monday, right? It's kind of a weird concept for me. didn't make any sense. Um... But then I ended up giving my life to Christ. When I gave my life to Christ, at that time, I was a mechanic at Zerker Tire. Uh, so I went to school to be a mechanic, was, was a mechanic at Zerker Tire, um, loved my job, made good money at it. Um, but it, when I gave my life to Christ, I heard from God. Now, this seems odd, I know. So if you're here for the first time, believe me, I'm not loony, you know, but this is what happened, right? Like, I heard from God, and this is what he says, I want you to go into full-time ministry. So I had a decision. Here's how I made my decision. Here's what I thought. So here's my experience with church and people in full-time ministry. Number one, they're always poor, they seemed like, right? So you look at pastors and it was like, they always needed help, right? Because they couldn't make enough money from the church. and So So I made a decision, I don't want to be poor, right? The other decision was, and it seems like the craziest kids in the world come from pastors, right? (laughs) So I was like, I don't necessarily want my kids to be crazy. So I made a decision at that time that the best thing for me to do was to make a decision on comfort. Can I get the best of both worlds? So I continued being a mechanic and service manager at Zerkers, and I did the faith aspect of it by going to be a part-time youth pastor so I could balance them both, right? Made the decision, again, not to take a risk or not to venture out and on faith, I made a decision on what sets me up for the best thing that I think for my kids, my wife, to make me feel comfortable moving forward, right? That seems like a logical decision, doesn't it? All of you are out there like, are we allowed to nod? You can nod, and I won't pick on you. So we're not the church that'd be like, hey, you, yeah, come on up. We got something to say. No, like, think about this. Like, if you were logically thinking about your life right now, don't you logically think about your life in a way to set it up for comfort, right? I'm setting up my future to make sure that I have the less risk possible, right? You hear this all the time in the business world, risk mitigation, right? You have risk mitigation inside of your business. Set up your business to do things, but have risk mitigation. Don't take too much risk, right? But here's the funny thing. I've never seen any side of scripture that I've ever read that says live a life of risk mitigation. You know what I mean? 
Now, I get it in the world, right? I get it what I grew up with. I get it in the people that I've been in business with. I get it running my own businesses, right, of what that looks like. But when it comes to faith, there's no such thing as risk mitigation. There's no such thing as setting your life up for comfort. There's only one thing, and that is to live by faith, not to play it safe. But I did. (laughs) Complete transparency. And I just didn't do it for a day. I did it for years. Right, continued setting that up. But have you ever had that, I don't know if any of you guys have ever experienced this before, godly discontent? You know, there's a discontent, and then there's the godly discontent, you know, that just doesn't go away and keeps coming back. Like, I wanted you to, and you're like, I know you did, but I got another plan. You can only say that for so long until that internal turmoil just either you, you tune the voice out because this can't happen, right? Maybe you've done this before. Like that still small voice that wants you to do something that's going to cost you something, and you're like, I'm tired of hearing from you, so I'm not going to listen anymore and do what I want to do, and then you don't hear the voice anymore. You're like, oh, man, I feel better. Haven't you done that? Right? Like just stop listening, and then all of a sudden you don't hear it anymore, and you're like, oh, he just must not want me to do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> he stopped talking because you're unwilling to listen. Right? So we get to those places, so I'm like, okay, I, I, I put them out for a while, things were going good, and then it would come back, and then it would come back. Got to this place where um, I read this book called Jesus Freaks. I don't think anybody's read this before, uh, but it's all about these people who went out and lived by faith and the things that they did. And I was mentoring a guy at the time, and we were reading it together. And in the midst of reading this together, that whole turmoil came back up again. Like, I'm living safe. These people are living for Christ. Like, are they just weird? That was the whole part of the book. Are they just freaks or are they actually what we're supposed to be? You know what I mean? The book was Jesus freaks, but really it should have just been they were Jesus followers, (laughs) right? I mean, it wasn't that they were doing anything outside of the normal of what you would read in Scripture. We just think it's abnormal when we live like Scripture, Right? It becomes an abnormal thing when you make decisions that people, the world looks and says, whoa, <laughs> I'd have never made that decision type of a thing. So in the midst of reading that, the other thing that was happening is I, I, I was, we were building a youth program, and it wasn't connecting with the church. And so the church said to us, well, hey, uh, why don't you plant a church inside of the church? And I'm like, wow, this is God's answer. Right? This is God's answer. This is what he wants me to do. So we spent a year with a team of people going around researching what would it look like to plant a church inside of a church, a Methodist church where we were in Adams County. In the process of going around to that, we had this huge plan, so excited, we're going to come back. This is my risk, right? This is my day of being faithful. Came back, presented it to the uh, pastors at the Methodist church and the elders or board or whatever they called them at the time, and they're like, you know what? I think that's a great idea for the next year and a half we'll think about that and try to implement it. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) But I could have, this is what I started thinking about, because if I didn't make this decision, here's what I knew. If I didn't make the decision to plant this church, it was going to cost my family something because I couldn't do the discontent anymore. I was no longer going to live down this road. I couldn't put up with it anymore. I was going to do something. So if I made a decision not to go along with their plan for the next year and a half to implement this church, which would have meant I could live in my house that we just built, not we, that Sherry just built, you know, maybe we built it, but a house, right? So we had a house, 
We lived right by our parents. Our kids were in the school system that everybody wanted their kids in. Anybody ever grow up in that? Like you wanted your kids in a small town in a school system that, you know, was perfect. So you had all that together. They had all their friends. You know what I mean? They had all their friends. You had all of your, you know, people that you knew because it was easy to plant a church in a community where you know everybody, right? Like I could rally everybody that I knew to this. I grew up in this community. I went to school in this community. It'd be perfect. So I had to make this decision. Am I going to do this? Am I going to go down this road? So I have this journal. It's funny. The guy gave it to me, Jesus Freak's journal. And the guy and I were doing it together. He gave it to me in 2003. And he gave it to me, uh, uh, and it was on my birthday, February 22nd, 2003. And in this journal, this is what it talks about. In the thing, he said, may we all live freaky lives, right? Good luck with God's plan. The first journal entry that I have inside of here is we were at a place where we had to make a decision. Because here's what we knew. We probably weren't going to be able to stay at the Methodist Church in Monroe, we're probably going to have to do something to move on. In there, I have this question to myself. What am I willing to sacrifice for the call of God? That was the question. I mean, there's a long thing in there, but what am I willing to sacrifice? And what will my decision do to my wife and to my children? What am I going to teach them? What legacy am I going to leave by the decision that I make? Because the decision I make today is going to leave a legacy, right? Every decision that we make has some sort of an imprint on the people around us and your children. Don't forget this, right? You can say you're not a leader. There's not one person in this room that can say that. Because not one person in this room can say they don't have influence on people. It doesn't matter how young you are. Young people, if you're bored for a second, look up. Listen, you have influence. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what your likes or dislikes are. You have influence. Decisions that you make will have imprints on the people around you. I had a decision to make. What what decision will I make and what impact will I have? And here's the decision I had to decide. Well, the greatest legacy I give to my children and my wife is being safe and living without faith, will the greatest legacy I live in the lives of my children and my wife be that we were willing to risk it all for the Lord. But here's what I knew. At a great cost. Right? At a great cost. Because if we chose to move to a community, fast forward, Huntington, Indiana, how many people would we know in Huntington? Zip. Didn't know anybody. You took my kids who were growing up in Adams Central High School, a graduating class of 90 kids, to at the time Huntington North graduating classes were 400. Sold everything that we owned and moved to a place where now I don't have any money left a job at Zerkers, and if anybody knows about Zerkers, they've been in business a while, right? I mean, it's a pretty, pretty good job. You get in there, people stay there. That's kind of how it works, right? We had to make a decision. I was going to leave a job, and I was going to come to a place where I had no money, didn't know one person, move my kids into a community there they know nobody, and move my wife away from all of her friends and family. 
Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready, right? But I had a decision to make. As the leader of my family, I had a decision to make. Will I position my kids? Will the greatest legacy I ever live at leave with them is they got to grow up in their high school and be comfortable and be friends. Will the greatest legacy I leave be that I made it so that your whole life didn't have any hitches in it, that I took all risk and cost out of it? Will that be my greatest legacy? Or will the greatest legacy that I ever gave to my kids and my wife is to know this? No cost is too great when it comes to following the Lord. None. And I want you to know that. And I want you to see my children. That's what I said to them. I want you to see this. I know right now it's hard. You want to know why kids are walking away from the church? Everybody has an answer why kids, you know why kids are walking away from the church? They don't understand faith because they've never seen it work. They see Jesus inside of the Bible and then they go to a professor who tears it apart. You know where they need to see Jesus? In me. You know where they need to see faith? In me, in my home, the decisions that I make, not what somebody else's make, which is out there and nobody understands. You need to see in the home, this is my decision. This is our decision. And you need to see this as faith because here's what kids can't comprehend. You say, you need to understand the faithfulness of God. How do they understand the faithfulness of God if they've never seen it? How do they understand the faithfulness of God if we've set up scenarios where all they're going to do is be safe and never have to take a risk and never see a cost and never see any of those things in their life? They can't see it. Kids are walking away from the church because they can't grasp the real Jesus. They hear Jesus. They sing about Jesus. They raise their hands about Jesus. They play games about Jesus. But when it comes to the decision to see Jesus in action that will cost you something, I think the majority of people that you talk to say is, I've never really seen it. Because people say, well, I went overseas and went on a mission trip, and I saw it all the time. But it's so weird. I come back here, and I can't see it anymore. You know why? Because we're living in a world that doesn't want to take chances with faith. I've said this. Listen, the church's response, and you can take this for whatever it's worth, and you got to know me, and you might want to talk to me after this. But listen, the church's response to COVID-19, here's what I said. When I used to go over to India and sit with these guys and they would talk about the growth of their churches through persecution, now listen to this, right? Churches overseas grow because of persecution, not comfort, right? If you don't know, that is what happens. Weird concept that they go and plant a church and then they get beaten with rods and, you know, and then all of a sudden the church goes from 50 people to 150 people. Or they know that if they meet, they could get thrown in jail, and they went from an underground church of 10 people to an underground church of 5,000 people. Weird how that works, right? So I always said this. Wow, it's weird because we'll never have persecution in America. The church's response to persecution over the last six months has been a failure. Because the first time it was tested... It went, why? Because you've been living comfortable all of your life and the first time that it was challenged, we folded. <laughs> what legacy, what imprint, just take this for whatever it's worth. I told you in the beginning of COVID-19, 
we have a, an opportunity that we've never had in the United States of America ever to reach people for Jesus Christ. The response of you as a person and we as a church will be whether or not this is a true revolution and a revival or it's just another condemnation on the church to say, that's what I thought you were. We as a church, Life Church, I don't know what's going on everywhere else. We will never be a church that makes decisions on safety and security and comfort. And if you want to come to life, you will not be happy if that's what you're looking for. Because we will make decisions based upon growing your faith, not making you comfortable. And in all of our decisions through this COVID-19 situation has been just that. We're making decisions based upon faith. I already know what the world has to say. (laughs) I already know what culture has to say. I already know what everybody's opinions are. But only one matters to me. Only one. I'm not listening to the rest. In fact, I told somebody on the way in, after the Capitol Hill thing, I deleted every bit of my social media because I can't stand to hear one more thing. I'm not telling you you should do it. I'm just telling you I can't hear any more of these voices. It's drowning out the only one that matters. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he has to say. I don't care what it's going to cost. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to get caught up in wanting to strangle somebody through my phone which is what I wanted to do, just being honest, right? I wanted to strangle some people. All right, I got bigger things to do. We got, we got stuff to happen in 2021 at Life Church, and we are going to see a revival like I don't think we've ever seen before because we are going to be a church to position ourselves in faith and not comfort. Anybody excited? <laughs> okay, because I'm excited. I don't... You know what I mean? Like, this is what I was trying to tell you. Like, I'm sitting here, I don't know, I've had some long conversations with my poor wife and kids over the past week of like, this is overflowing because I think God has a big plan for the church. You know, and I see that. Now, this isn't just my opinion. I want to read to you from Scripture because that's the thing I want you to recognize. We're also not a church of a pastor that just has, I mean, that's not true. I have a lot of opinions. (laughs) believe me if you sit down with me I can tell you all about them but at the end of the day the direction of life church is set through scripture not through culture the direction in which we will follow will not be on the opinions of people but on the opinions of what scripture says so this is Acts 20 22 through 24 if you have a bible or your phone or wherever you're at you can follow along with this but we all remember the story of Paul right Paul making decisions in his life was someone who persecuted the church, now is somebody who is building the church, right? And so Acts 20 gives us this picture of where I think the church is today, right? I think Paul gives us a glimpse into some decisions that you personally are going to have to make and we as a church are going to have to think through. This is Acts 20, starting in verse 22. Here's the first thing that he says, and I don't want to miss it because it's so important in what we're talking about today. He says, and now, compelled by the Spirit. Listen, you're living in a world today where we're compelled by the wrong things. Right? 
We're living in a world where what compels you is not what Jesus Christ has to say to you through the Holy Spirit, but it's what social media has to say to you. Young people, it's what culture has to say to you. What I'm finding out, it's what TikTok has to say to you. Right, like you're, you're getting your stuff from the places you shouldn't get it from and you're compelled to do things by the wrong person, the wrong media, the wrong people. You're compelled by the wrong place. You can listen to it all, whatever. You know, I'm not telling anybody to make any decisions on what you do with what you're listening to today. But I'm telling you, if it drowns out the voice of the one that matters most, get rid of it. If you can handle it, keep it. But you have to be where Paul was when he said, because think about Paul's life. Do you think he had a lot of influences that was telling him what he should do? For sure, right? Somebody who was in a position like him, do you think people would be like, oh, you should go here, and you should go here, and you should do this, and you know what message you should preach? You should preach on this. You, should, you know what I mean? Like he had to be a person that everybody else was telling him what to do. Paul made a decision in his life that he will be compelled by only one audience, and that is the Holy Spirit. And it came to the place, now, here's what we have to put together. Listen to what he says next. And I am going into Jerusalem. What's the next two words? Not knowing. Anytime that you make a decision compelled by the Spirit and not knowing, do you know what it grows? Faith. You hear me? If you listen to the Holy Spirit, he will compel you to do things where you won't know the outcome. And I know where you're going to be at, right? Like, I wish I knew what, if I make this decision, then this is going to happen. If I make this decision, this is going to happen. Faith never positions you in a place where you have all the answers. Amen? Compelled by the Spirit will mean you're going to go into a position where you don't have it all fixed, you don't have it all right, and you don't have all the answers. He says, not knowing at all what will happen to me there, faith. But he does know this, verse 23. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that what's in front of him? Prison? Hardships. Compelled by the Spirit into a place where you don't know what's going on, and it will cost you something. You see where I'm going? The picture of the church has to be this. If the church is not compelled by the Spirit into a place where we can't control it all and have all the answers to everything, and we're not willing to have it cost us anything in the eyes of other people or the eyes of the world, you will never experience faith. And if you want to pick a church that makes it so that you don't ever have to experience faith so you can be comfortable and you can feel good and you can walk away like, wow, man, I, I feel good about myself out today. Listen, I've hardly ever read scripture where I'm like, oh, man, I got it all right. I read scripture and I'm like, dang it. <laughs> Holy crap. I mean, I surely got to be like, I got to do better. I got to do better. Why? Because he's compelling me to do more. He's pushing me in position. He's stretching me to places where I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what all the answers are. He's asking us as a church to do things as a church that possibly have never been done before. 
And it's going to cost something to get it done. But wouldn't you rather be a place where you can experience the faithfulness of God and you can see him work and he's not just somebody you read about in the Bible, but he is a real life person that does miracles, that he is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the one who's going to change and revolutionize your life and the people around you. Isn't that where you want to be? I mean, isn't that where you want to spend time? Who wants to just go to church? It's boring. Come on. Listen. <laughs> I'm telling you, if all you do is come and listen to music and you listen to a preacher at the end of the day, it just gets boring if the Lord's not moving. I don't care how good the preacher is or the music. It just becomes a cycle. You just keep doing it because you're supposed to. Right? And you do it over again and over again and over again. Well, they, I wish they would sing that one song because that one song made me really. But man, the rest of the week's just boring because they don't sing my song. Right? Or wish the preacher would talk about. You hear what I'm saying, right? And you need to be a part of something that's going to cost us something. We're going to see God move in amazing ways. That's what he was trying to say. And here's what the reason that he could say that. Because he made a decision that all of us have to make. However, I consider my life I consider my life worth how much? Nothing. How do you make a decision to listen to the Holy Spirit and make decisions to be compelled into places you don't know where you're going to go that's going to cost you something? Because your life, those things mean nothing. Because he was focused on something else. Listen to what he says. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying the good news of God's grace. Lived on purpose. His only aim. Live by faith. Only aim. Be compelled by spirit. Only aim. It could cost me everything. It doesn't even really matter. Because at the end of the day, my purpose for living. Now I want you to think about this. My purpose for living. My only aim. Spread the gospel. I said all the time, you know, the struggle, because I love young people, and I want to see young people get this right. Like I've said, you know what's going to change a generation? You know what's going to change Huntington, Indiana? The generation of young people that are sitting in this room. That's what's going to change things, right? That's what's going to be the new culture leaders. But you know how hard it is to go to a young person and say, live on purpose? When their examples around them are no one living on purpose. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know when it's hard when a young person grows up in an environment where they can't see an example of somebody who lives on purpose? Somebody who knows how much time they have and how they're going to spend their time. And they're going to have conversations with their kids and the people around them like, we're making these decisions. You know why we're making these decisions? Because God wants us to live on purpose. You know why we did this? Because God wants us to live on purpose. You know why we did this decision? God wants us to live on purpose. And they're like, oh, purpose. Instead of, you know what the world has become? Can we fit it all in? <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to. I'm going to teach you how to manage a crazy life, not a purposeful one. Nobody else lives crazy lives, right? Like, isn't the new culture thing to be as busy as you can? <laughs> okay, so for me and Scott, the, the world has become, how do you fit it all in? There's 168 hours in a week, sleep less, eat less, do more, get it all done. I'm going to teach you how to manage your time inside of a busy schedule so you can accomplish everything for you. 
Instead of being like, here, I'm going to tell you, 168 hours a week, you have 60 hours of discretionary time every single week, seven hours a day. You have to learn to live on purpose because you as a Christian person, your life is not your own, period. 60 hours of discretionary time, seven hours a day, your decisions of how you live your life determine the legacy that you're going to live, a legacy of purpose or a legacy of just trying to fit more in because you got 60 hours of discretionary time so you can get more for you. Right? Paul's telling us it's got to be purposeful and it's got to be different. Jesus then goes on. We're going to end with this scripture. Jesus goes on uh, in Matthew 16, and he makes a determination that I think we lose, okay? So sometimes inside of church, we talk a lot about salvation, right? Hey, if you're out there today, close your eyes, you know, bow your head. Here's the message of salvation. If you want to get saved, raise your hand, okay? Which, again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, okay? Just hear me out in all of this. But do you realize that when Jesus Christ went up to people, he never said, close your eyes and bow your head and say a prayer. You know what he said? Follow me and be my disciple. Right? That's what he said. He said, do you want this? Okay. Do you want to be my disciple? And it was funny because he had a great big following of people. But you know, Jesus was the... Like in modern times, Jesus would have been looked at as the worst preacher possible. You know why? Because he'd gather 5,000 people on a hill and the world would be like, look at Jesus. And then Jesus would give a message and he would be down to 100 people within an hour. Because he says, you know what it really means? I know why you're here. I know why you're on the hill. Because you want something from me. But just so you know, that's not the message. Here's the message. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Here's my message to be my disciple. You have to do. And they're all like, well, that was a bummer. I thought we came here for fish. I thought this was like the all-you-can-eat Dan fish fry. You know, you just show up and, you know, you get everything that you want. And then it all happens. And they're all like, there ain't no fish. He's like, no, it ain't no This was never about the fish. This was about me. And they're all like, oh, it's about you. I got other things to do. Right? We overlooked that. When he's coming to you, salvation means discipleship. Salvation means a choice, right? And your choice is this. This is what he said to him, Matthew 16. And then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, right? Whoever wants to be like me, whoever wants to be a part of me. It was never like, who wants to go to heaven? Anybody? Anybody? Who wants to go to heaven? You know, and everybody like, oh, me, me, me. No, he's like, he didn't say that. He said, who wants to be in relationship with me? The benefit is someday heaven. But the real benefit today is relationship with me. Right? It's relationship. Who wants to be in relationship with me? Who wants to be my disciple? You know what he says? Everybody ready for this? (laughs) He says, well, this is all you have to do. You must deny yourselves and take up your cross and follow me. Do you know all those things you had? You know, you're like, I'm doing this for me, and we're going here. And he's like, it's okay. Like, you can still have plans, and you can still have dreams, and you can still have goals. But at the end of the day, compelled by the Holy Spirit, there's nothing more important than what I have to say to you, and that you're going to need to deny this tension, because everybody has it, right? And you've went through it. It was the tension I had. Comfort, sacrifice, comfort, sacrifice. Everybody's going to come to this decision 
And all you need to do, this is easy, right? Because all you need to do is when you come to that decision, you just have to choose sacrifice over comfort. That's all you have to do. You just have to choose me over the world. You have to choose me over safety. You have to choose me over security. You have to do those things. Are you ready? Right? That's what he's saying. But we gloss it over and we just be like, oh, well, you can get to the whole discipleship thing someday. We just want to get you saved and get you to heaven. That's not what he ever said. Follow me. Be my disciple. Deny yourself. Now, are we going to make mistakes like I did? Choosing comfort over sacrifice. Ben and Eric. Yep. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Like, we're all going to be like, oh, that was a bummer. <laughs> got to do a reset. And I got to make a different decision. I got to do something different in my life. We're going to have those moments, but at the end of the day, we're going to keep making the resets, aren't we? We're going to keep making the difference because listen to what he says. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or can what anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So the band's going to come back up. I'm going to give you something to think about. Okay, so refocus for a second. A lot of that might have been a lot of information, but I want to bring it back to you for just a second. And I want to talk to you guys that are young people right now. Okay, listen to me. This is vitally important. I wish somebody would have told me this when I was young. What is true life? Because that's what he's talking about. What he's saying in there is, whoever is willing to lose their life, whoever is willing to save their life is going to lose or miss out. We have to determine what is life. And never in the course of history, I've worked with young people for a really long time, never in the course of the history of working with young people in my life or seeing what you guys have to deal with today have I ever seen someone or things out there that are pushing you into a life that's not the life that Jesus Christ wants for you. And they're telling you, save it, save it, keep it, hang on to it, do it, strive for it, make successes for it, make sacrifices for it. Can I tell you about being now at the end with a lot of people who pass on in their life? Here's what Jesus is talking about. You can have it all. <laughs> I've watched people do this. You can have it all. You can be successful. You can have all of these things at the end. But do you know what happens at a funeral? Do you know what people realize for the first time? That you could live your entire life for this one thing and it all can be gone in a moment. Young people, I want to save you from the heartache. <laughs> I want to save you from the chance, save you from these things that... that Jesus is trying to say, listen, if you try to save your life on this earth, if you try to live all for yourself, someday, someday, when you stand in front of Jesus Christ, you will have lost it all. You would have forfeited your soul. 
And I know right now, young people, this is a hard thing to think about because there's so many voices in your head. That's the other thing. I've never seen a time in, in culture ever where the amount of voices that are into your head right now are more than I've ever heard before. The amount of people that are trying to tell you what you should do and where you should go and the things. You, it used to just be our parents. It used to just be a small circle. Now you have everybody telling you. And you're out there looking of what you want to be and you're always thinking about and it's always this pressure to become. Don't miss this. It's those who will lose their life that will save it. Doesn't mean you won't accomplish your dreams. Doesn't mean you won't do all the things that you want to do on this earth. But at the end of the day, the thing that will matter most to you is not what you've accumulated, but who's around your bed when you're dying. Who's at your funeral because of the legacy that you have left. Please do not leave this earth. Do not leave this room. This is what I want you to think about. Don't leave this room without erasing this mystery. The decisions that you will make today, the decisions you will make tomorrow, will leave an imprint or a legacy. And parents, hear me. Whether they're telling you this or not, your kids are dying for an example of faith. I know, what, I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking that they want you to keep them safe. I know you're thinking that they want to keep everything around them perfect. But listen, inside of them as followers of Jesus Christ, they're saying, I need an example. Dad, young men saying, Dad, give me an example of faith. Give me an example where it cost you something. Give me an example where you made a decision that I can follow. Moms, make decisions that your daughters can look at and say, yes, Jesus is real. Yes, Jesus is the one. I'm telling you, church, make decisions so the world cannot look at what our response has been and said, that's what I thought, instead of saying, no, there's hope. The church is the representation of hope in the world. Don't be a church. That's example is that we fold at persecution. Don't be a church that's unwilling to stand up and take risks. Don't be a church that wants to find themselves in comfort. Be a church that's going to leave a legacy. Be a church that's going to be an example that there is a real living Jesus Christ that will change the world. And that's what we need to be about. And when we think about 2021, I'm excited. Could you tell? <laughs> I'm excited. Because here's what I already know. Jesus has just been waiting for you and for me. And when we let it go and you surrender, <laughs> look out because he has a plan. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, we love you, um, and we surrender to you, Lord, because we know this, that the greatest gift that we could ever give to a generation of people today is our surrender, not our money, not our social media posts, not the things that we put out there to other people, not our talk, our life, our surrender, our example. 
People in this world today are looking for the real Jesus. May we be a people and a church that shows them that there is hope left, that there is a Jesus who is alive. There is a Jesus who works miracles and does amazing things. May we be those people. Lord, I pray for the young people in this room today, Lord, that they will not get sucked into this trap that's happening today of listening to the wrong voices. Lord, today, can you be a voice to them? Can you speak to them? And young people in this room today, will you have the courage to listen and take a step that in the world's eyes is going to be weird, but in God's eyes is going to make complete sense as he shows you that he is a God who is faithful. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. bless you.
So you know what's so powerful about this? Whether you like it or not, your decisions in life will have a ripple effect for generations. Regardless of your choice. But you know what he promises us? When God's favor is on your life and you listen to his voice, the ripple effect is not just going to be with your kids. It's on their kids and their kids and generation after generation after generation. And God is going to be glorified in a world that wants to shut him out because you chose to just do something. One decision causes a ripple effect generationally, and God can work the way he wants to work. So again, thanks everybody for being here. We'll be praying together that God can use all of us in this coming year. Thanks for joining us online. Don't forget, if you want to talk to the elders down the hallway on your way out, conference room C, they'll be in there to talk to. Thanks for coming. We'll see you guys next week.